0: Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help with home, life, auto, or business needs. phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk-ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg.
1: The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. Hi, I'm Shane Ray for Central Indiana Today. We have a two-part show today. First off, we're going to talk with uh, Mr. Grant Kleinhens, He's town manager of Brownsburg and also town manager of Avon, Tom Klein. As we were on site when Ronald Reagan Parkway in Brownsburg opened up, and we also had a chance to talk with Tom Klein, who was present at the time, well, About the uh, opening in Avon, let's hear what they had to say about this historic event in Brownsburg and Avon. Well, I was just going to ask, let's start out with Grant here at uh, the ribbon cutting for Uh, for the Brownsburg side of Ronald Reagan Parkway. What do you think this means for Brownsburg, and uh, how much of an anticipation has it been?
2: Well, it's been a long time coming. I I know the uh, original overpass over 74 was started in 06, 07. So that's, by my reckoning, 10 years, right? So a decade. And uh, we've been looking forward to this for a long time and really appreciate all the partners that allowed us to get to this point. The county, Metropolitan Planning Organization, The Redevelopment Commission, the council, everybody who had a hand in approving uh, all the agreements and financing that were required to get this done. And I I think
1: our investment in this will be returned a hundredfold. have um, County Councilor uh, Matt Whetstone. Uh, here at uh, the ribbon cutting as we sit standing here and freeze Uh, so so i'm shaking like this what kind of input i mean uh, talk about the uh the joint efforts between the county and the town of brownsburg on getting this done well i I think uh when i started in 2011 one of the things that i was told that this would
2: probably be a 10 or 20 year project only because it was such a large expenditure Mm -hmm. when the county came forward and said they were willing to participate and assist us in applying for grant funds we jumped on and I, I think we tried our best to get that, and Matt worked very hard, uh, Matt Whetstone, as well as everyone else. But we did receive that funding, and without that, ten million dollars from the from the state through the federal government, it, it would not have been possible.
1: Yeah. Now we got Tom Klein here, who is. Uh... With uh, of course the town of Avon, talk to us about the connection
3: now—the easy connection, so to speak—with uh, with the town of Brownsburg, with the Ronald Reagan Parkway. Well, yeah, I should also remind everyone that we also partnered with Brownsburg and the county to uh, extend the Reagan to four lanes from uh, 300 North all the way to uh, US 36. So that was done earlier this year, and so now uh, that is completed. So when this gets open, you'll be able to get all the way down actually to I 70. Um, from here through Avon. So that's a great addition to, for all of us to connect all of our communities, um, not only through um, for motorists, but also our pedestrians and, and the bicyclists because we will have um, trails on our project as well.
1: You know, uh, earlier today, you had a little damper on some of your celebration in Avon, but there was another big event that uh, that happened with you guys. Why don't you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, we opened up the Avon Avenue bridge today. Uh, we didn't have the roundabout because it uh, didn't have the ribbon cutting because it was raining, but we did a procession over the bridge, which was pretty neat at 9 o'clock. We had a, a police tr- police car and a fire truck and an ambulance and a school bus with a bunch of folks in it. I rode the school bus. That was fun. Uh-huh. And then citizens were right behind us too, so we probably had uh, 50 or 60 cars go over. Uh, so, yeah, it was a big occasion. Uh, now no one will ever get stuck by a train in Avon. Now, this
1: particular stretch of road, that opens up uh, tomorrow, right, Grant?
3: Yeah, as of tomorrow, the striping will
2: all be finished, and it'll it'll be released to be opened. I don't know what time that may be. My guess is it'll be early afternoon. Okay. But we'll we'll definitely release a press release letting everyone know
1: when it's open. And as far as uh, the, the new spot there in Avon, that's is that, is that ready to go now?
3: Yeah, it's open. It Open, so it's officially open. Uh, we actually been monitoring it today to see how it's going. Uh, I was just out there a little while ago, and it's operating pretty well. Uh, we had a little bit of a backup at 36, but the timing, I think, is uh, the signal at 36 we need to look at. But uh, I think also people are trying it out that maybe not won't use it for long term, too. So yeah. let's we'll we'll keep an eye on it.
1: All right, gentlemen. Thanks for talking with me. Great. Thank you. Thank you. It was cold and rainy, but it got done. All right, moving on to our next interview. It is with Bob Jenkins. I interviewed him a little over a year ago, I think, when we started broadcasting the Flashback Party, which, of course, is hosted by Bob. I went into a little bit of detail about Bob's history with uh, not only WYRZ, but with uh, the template for WYRZ, which was Radio Brownsburg. So here's my interview with the legendary Bob Jenkins. I am... Interviewing a special guest. It's the first time, I believe, the first time he's been on the FM here at uh, WYRZ. And we'll get into a little bit of history of how I uh, know Bob and why he has been here before. But first, let's get to know him a little bit better. Mr. Bob Jenkins, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Uh, looking forward to this. Keep the questions easy now because I'm not uh, very smart. Well, <laughs> this is the old, there's going to be a test or a quiz afterwards. Right. Time thing. <laughs> Well, now, tell us, where did you grow up, Bob?
4: I was born in Richmond, Indiana, and I grew up in Liberty, which is 14 miles south of uh, Richmond on U.S. 27. Town of about 1,800 people. um, Two stoplights, but a very small town. And I'm really glad that I did, because I think that growing up in a small town... Maybe uh, results in um, a greater appreciation for things you know because we had to go to Richmond if we wanted to uh, to buy a whole lot of groceries uh, so on and so forth, but actually, liberty when uh, in the early fifties let 's say um, you know had two or three uh, grocery stores and a couple of drug stores and a jewelry store and couple of manufacturing plants but by the time i was growing up and a teenager uh it it had become pretty much a a a town with no industry or whatever so uh i I think you're taught uh, a lot of uh different things that perhaps you uh aren't taught in a large city and i'm very glad i grew up in a small
1: town yeah small town values as they say absolutely
4: yeah yep um my My dad worked uh, at a a lumber yard and was the guy who would deliver uh, fuel oil to uh, people who had uh, oil furnaces and My mom worked uh, practically all of her life at a grocery store, although in the later part of the uh, part of her life she worked in a uh, shoe store so they worked all their life and put myself and my brother through college and um, it was a really cool place to grow up
1: yeah you know if you're sitting there listening all you folks out there in radio land as they say you say <laughs> i know that voice well the reason is bob is uh, for a long time was known as if not the one of the voices of indycar racing did that for a long time, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, now that you, now that the listener knows that, tell us what brought uh, your interest in IndyCar. How did you start, or when did you start getting into that? Uh, it goes back to really before I can almost
4: remember. Um, I am not sure why I became a race fan. My brother, who was six years older than I, was a race fan, and... I've often thought maybe it was because, you know, as little brother, you don't know anything and you're kind of uh, a tag along and you're getting away a lot. So uh, I think maybe I wanted to learn more about something than he knew. Mm-hmm. And so I think I chose auto racing <laughs> and uh, I just especially became a fan of the Indy 500 Went to the Speedway for the first time in 1958. Um, I'm sorry, 57. Went to my first 500 in 1960. I went to my first race, big car race, as they used to call them, in 1956, in August of 1956. In Dayton, Ohio, um, the... uh The championship cars and their drivers made an appearance there. It wasn't a points-paying race because Dayton, Ohio's track was only a half mile, and points were only paid for Mm -hmm. tracks larger than a mile. Um, But anyway, there were several of the Indy 500 drivers there, and I remember so much about that day. So I just became, uh, my interest continued to grow and grow and grow as I went through my teenage years and even into college. And there were several people when I grew up in Liberty that say, Hey, you've got a good voice. You, uh, you should make a profession out of that. As a matter of fact, here's something that uh, talking about questions that I've never been asked before. But <laughs> I had an aunt who lived in Lafayette. That's where my mom's uh, family pretty much uh, lived. And I probably wasn 't more than four or five years old, and my aunt told my mom that she thought I would make my living talking hmm and by golly, she was right <laughs> so uh and, and I also did the uh the uh, announcing at the uh basketball games in Liberty we didn't have a football team so it was just a basketball type thing and at that point you know I decided yeah I'm going to make my uh, profession broadcasting and um, I was fortunate enough to combine my love of broadcasting with my passion for auto racing and it's been very very good to me as somebody once said
1: (laughs) Now, of course, you probably you started, at, well, outside of announcing the, the, the basketball, you got into radio first, right? Yeah. Um, upon graduation
4: from IU, I went to work in Fort Wayne, Indiana, small uh, AM station. Not W-O-W-O, which was the, <laughs> the biggie. Yeah. And we were all jealous of in uh, Fort Wayne. But, um, yeah, after <laughs> I worked there almost a year and then went to Valparaiso, Indiana, and became the news director there. And in April 1972, I heard about a job in Indianapolis, and so uh, I moved here in April of 1972 at WIRE, worked in the news department for several years, but as I worked in the news department, I was still trying to get a foothold into something to do with auto racing, Mm -hmm. and got to know Paul Page and uh, Doug Zink, who worked at the same station that I did in Indianapolis. Um, were very helpful in getting me headed in the right direction uh, as far as auto racing broadcasting is concerned. Yeah. But when I was working at, at the station in Fort Wayne, I was also doing music shows, and music has been my love since mm-hmm. I can remember. Even going back before I developed an interest in auto racing, I've always been a music fan, and... Uh, still listen to the same music now that I listen to in the fifties and sixties and seventies mm-hmm. because, uh, well, I think it's the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then let's go back a little bit. Uh, you being a quote unquote child of the fifties and early sixties, uh, did you like? And this is something I have found from people who grew up in that era. Maybe didn't like say, rock and roll, being too new. Did you like the rock and roll as it was coming out?
4: Yeah. Um, I think maybe the first person that I really developed a love for was Fats Domino. And, and, you know, he he crossed over so many barriers. He was R&B. He was rock. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really liked his music. Um, then um, Buddy Holly you know was one of my early favorites but when the Beatles came on the scene I wasn't a real big fan of theirs Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to remember that after I graduated from college um, I wasn't listening to pop music because the stations I worked at in Fort Wayne and in Valparaiso didn't play that kind of music so um i i really didn't care for the stuff that was being put out in especially the uh the late 60s
1: as the psychedelic era came exactly. in exactly
4: yeah yeah so I, I, again, always listened to uh, the 50s and uh, up to probably around 1965. But now, I have a great appreciation for the early stuff by the Beatles. I, I think that was just great. And I am a tremendous fan of the early Elvis stuff. Now, that doesn't include very many years, but late 50s uh, and maybe a little bit of the early 60s. But after that, uh, I'm not a fan of Elvis's music. But I just love the, the stuff that uh, he put
1: out on Sun Records and some of the early stuff on RCA. Yeah. Uh, Did you – well, you just now said that uh, that the stations you were working at, you weren't getting to play – Uh, That kind of stuff. What were you Mm -hmm. playing at those stations? Uh, At Wire here in in, in Indianapolis, uh, country music. Okay. And it was sort of a middle-of-the-road
4: type thing uh, in Fort Wayne and um, more on the rock side in uh, Valparaiso, but um, not overly so, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, especially when I was working at Wire, which started in 1972, uh that's that's why I'm really unfamiliar with music from 72 to uh the 90s because I just wasn't listening to it. I was listening to country music uh and what we played on wire.
1: Yeah. Now, um tell us about getting into racing on TV. Well, that was pretty much a, a uh, <laughs> a,
4: a uh, I shouldn't say mistake, but uh it it was a <laughs> Accident, surprise. Maybe? Yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1978, Paul Page and I started what we called the USAC radio network, which broadcast all USAC championship races. Now, I'm sure nobody has ever heard of that because we only did it for one year, but he was the play-by-play announcer and I was the pit guy. Mm -hmm. This was in, um late or during the year of 1978 in early 79 he got the job with NBC sports doing television Mm -hmm. so we didn't do the the radio network in 1979 it was just a one-year deal but while he was working for NBC in 79 he heard about a cable channel that was going to go on the air that was going to do 24 hours of sports and everybody said yeah right Uh, that'll never work like bottled water yeah exactly (laughs) who wants Uh, that who's gonna watch sports for 24 hours um it was called the entertainment sports programming network and he learned that one of the first sports that ESPN wanted to do was auto racing and he recommended me to them and that's how it all started we did a couple of uh, well more than two we did three or four races for ESPN in late 1979 now most people will tell you that ESPN we on the air in 1980 well that's not true uh, we did several things uh, auto racing related in 1979, so that's how I became involved with ESPN and auto racing, which really lasted um, for well. I retired in 2012, and I really stopped working for them in 2005. But all that time, I was either working for ABC or. ESPN. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, I, I didn't do IndyCar racing all that time. Uh, I did 14 years of NASCAR racing, uh, which was fun. Uh, it was it was good. I, I can't really complain, but I have never really been a stock car fan, so I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to do. Although, I did work with two of the finest people that I have ever met in Ned Jarrett, and especially Benny Parsons. Benny and I became extremely good friends. Mm -hmm. And I... I look back on those years and uh, and can see that they were very, very important to me, not only in my broadcasting career, but just being around Benny and, and absorbing uh, the type of person that he was. He was just absolutely incredible. So that's how the television thing began. And um, like I say, it wasn't something that I had really thought would happen, but it did, and I'm glad it
1: did. Yeah. <laughs> and now... Uh you know, you've been doing. You did that for a long time, and like you said, you retired in uh, twelve. Yeah, I re- yeah, yeah. And um, just decided. You your public statement was: I just decided it was time. Yeah, and
4: uh, yeah, I, I've I've seen too many race drivers go beyond when they should have retired, and I didn't want to do that. And announcers too. Um, I was. I was going to be 65 that year, so in February, I told everybody at NBC Sports that I was going to uh, retire at the end of the year. And during this time, my wife, uh, who had been battling cancer since 2005, um, became even more ill. So that was another reason why I decided to hang it up. And I, I didn't want to Make the announcement of my retirement anywhere but 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 the Speedway, the Indianapolis Speedway, yeah. and so I made the official announcement on Carb Day of 2012 in May that that would be my uh, that 2012 would be my last year, yeah. and um, I, I'm again I'm glad. Uh, that I did because I don't think I I went too long to embarrass myself. Uh, I did do a couple of other shows for NBC Sports the next year, but just because they needed somebody to step in. And a lot of people, when they hear me on the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway public address system, will say, Bob, I thought you retired from work. <laughs> And I'll say, yes, I did, but working for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the public address system is not work. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm so glad that I have been able to maintain a job there in one way or another since 1979 when uh, Paul asked me to be on the radio network. I've done television, radio, and now public address. And uh, I, can, I hope that I can spend... Um, as many years as I have in my body, there. I hope that, uh, <laughs> that I can go until, uh, well, they don't want me anymore and uh, until I think that I physically can't do it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, let's back up a little. We have a mutual friend in Don K. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> Our, how do I phrase this, WYRZ's media partner, yeah. which is Radio Brownsburg, yeah. got started uh, eight years ago in July, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I got connected in September, eight years ago, or September eight years ago September, that's mm-hmm. a better way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you told me, and I don't know how well you remember this, you said, um, uh, you know what, I have always wanted to do a 50s doo wop radio show. And I said, Why don't you do it? And you said, I don't know anyone who's interested. And I said, Bob, if you put it together, I'll put it on the air. Yeah. And we've been doing that. And, you know, our media partner, Radio Brownsburg, is still on the air. That show still airs Mondays, 10 a.m., like it has ever since the beginning. Yeah. And now the big announcement is we're going to move it. It's going to still stay on Radio Brownsburg, Mm -hmm. but now. It's going to be on FM, and we've got a new sponsor, which we'll get into in just a second, but let's talk about it. We uh, called it, um, well, now it's called the the Flashback Party. Right,
4: right. Well, I perhaps didn't mention uh, when I was talking about my first um, first desire to go into broadcasting was to be a disc jockey, because mm-hmm. I listened to... WING in Dayton, WSAI in Cincinnati, WLS in Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, CKLW uh, in Windsor. Just about every station, AM station that I could get in Liberty, I was listening to Mm -hmm. and was hoping that someday I could be a disc jockey. Mm -hmm. Well, I never was. When I went to IU, there was a closed circuit radio station that originated I lived in Wright Quad and the place where the station originated was in the next house from me so it was just a few steps and I thought yeah this is my chance to be a disc jockey so I was a disc jockey on that station for two years my freshman and sophomore year but then as I got into uh, broadcasting as far as uh classes are concerned, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that there were other things that I could probably make more money at than being a disc jockey. So (laughs) I I concentrated in uh, broadcast journalism, and that kind of took me away from being a disc jockey. But as I say, when I heard about the opportunity to perhaps do that I wanted to do it and (laughs) knock that off my bucket list. (laughs) And uh, it's fun. It really is. I I enjoy putting shows together. I especially enjoy the research that I have to do to... make them a little more entertaining than just music. So um, I, I really appreciate the uh, opportunity that you've given me to do that because it it still is something that I uh, love to do.
1: Oh, yeah, and uh, we love having you do that. Now, one of the things you say in the very first episode is I am not going to play all the greatest hits that right. uh, everybody else does. Yeah. You, you actually like to get... Uh, to where you have to dig down deep in the basement, to yep. so to speak, to get some of these songs. That's right.
4: Uh, a good friend of mine, Brent Durbin, who lives in Crawfordsville, is also a, a music nut and, uh, in fact, was part of a, a Beatles tribute band at one time. He's always playing uh, 60s songs, maybe a few 50s, by uh, you know the Everly Brothers and uh, Johnny Cash and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he mentioned the other night, so so what's your favorite Everly Brothers song? And I told him it's, that's old-fashioned. Huh? I never heard that. <laughs> but that's the kind of music I like to play. The, the music that you don't hear normally when you turn into an oldie station. Mm-hmm. I, I love some of the other stuff that was popular, but I just... Uh, I think there is a lot of hidden music out there that uh wasn't necessarily popular back in the day but uh, as far as I'm concerned it's a lot better than some of the other stuff that the artist <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> you know, and you talk about the album cuts, the B-sides, yeah. so to oh, speak yeah. and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Yep. And you also pick different themes each week.
4: Yeah. Which is kind of fun. You know, I I sometimes have difficulty coming up with different themes. But once I I find one, uh, again, it's a lot of fun to research some of the music that falls into that category and then researching the specific songs that fall into the category.
1: Yeah. Well, um, we want to remind everyone that uh, now on 98.9 FM WYRZ, it's going to start airing on Sundays at 4 p.m and it's called Flashback Party mm-hmm. and it primarily focuses on uh, the pre-Beatle era although sometimes you do venture out now oh, yeah. and then but yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and we are also talking about doing some other shows with Bob and uh, I think uh I think everyone's really going to enjoy what we do as long as Bob enjoys doing it so What else can I say? Well, let's let's go for it. (laughs) Bob Jenkins, he's been our guest today on Central Indiana Today. Thank you for uh, for uh, for being here today, Bob, and thanks for doing the show. This has been Central Indiana Today, presented by the Kevin Kersey Agency on
0: WYRZ. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help with home, life, auto, or business needs. Phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg.
2: The new Plainfield UPS is now hiring for part time package handlers for three different shifts morning, evening, and late night. A weekly retention bonus, pension, benefits, and college tuition reimbursements are available for part time UPS employees. More information on available positions. Online applications and scheduling an interview can all be found at www.upsjobs.com.